we're hot. Mike's hot. We're hot. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, so uh, hello to all of our listeners. This is another episode of Being Master, a podcast by Heidi. Uh, and you. Produced and supported by her co-host, Robert, at Master Collective. We're recording at the Gatewood Home Chair. It's another really cool episode. We've got an awesome guest friend here with us. How would you like yourself introduced? Tom. Tom. So Heidi, how about Tom. you? Tom. You give us you Tom. <laughs> Tom's, Tom's plenty. But who is Tom? Okay, so Tom and I have had a unique uh, relationship. Um, you have you have seen and heard and experienced some of the things that I, I went through in a previous job. And I think so. Tom was my coach through a leadership um, oh, that's right. program thing that I went through, and I don't know that I would have made it out had I not had somebody to like just talk to that has experience in what I was in and be like, "No, you're not crazy." <laughs> and if you are, it's not because of this. And if you are, it's okay. But like. <laughs> It, this the industry that you're in, Tom. Yes, is unique. Uh, that's fair to say. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Robert has your so bio. I, yeah, Heidi gave me a piece of paper oh, from, said, yes. from said uh, uh, leadership program. I'm gonna just just touch it because it's a lot of words, but so many words. If tell me if this is accurate. You're the executive director of Ohio City Incorporated. Accurate. Um, it is a D, it's a CDC serving the dynamic Ohio City neighborhood. Um, let's see, a lot of that is very good information, but it's interesting to know that you hold a degree in interior architecture and design from, you are a Bobcat from Ohio. Mighty Bobcat. Very, Ohio very University. cool. Yeah. Cleveland local or Northeast Ohio local. Yeah. yeah. This is lived at the Buckeye neighborhood, resident. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, you, so you're in the CDC land like Heidi, uh, is yeah. and was, and also has been <laughs> around and, and so have I. So yeah. like. And I'm biriveral. That is a word, hashtag mm-hmm. by river. Mm-hmm. That is a word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for, for listeners that may not understand what that contextually means, what does that mean? So I am an east side resident who works on the west side. I sometimes spend more time on the west side than I do on the east side, given the nature of work. But uh, yeah, for all the people who always say that the river is the great dividing line, right? Like I am one of the, that's correct. I am by river. I spend a lot of time on both sides by river. That may make its way to a feature. <laughs> You'll get credit for that. But like, so I guess my first question for you, like, because the nature of being master is um, Heidi can talk to that better mm-hmm. than I can. But it very much does go from like your personal, um, the things that ground you, that interest you, lead you through your work and then talk about how improvement or um, uh, self-interest is also being uh, leveraged in the work you're doing. What made you a biriveral community development like that's a big question but like how do you even get there yeah um boy that's a a, i could take that a lot of different ways whichever way comes naturally what do you uh well so i I think i've i've always been um pretty obsessive about the city of cleveland right um was always kind of a deep personal interest um you know and i my background was in architecture uh you know and i spent you know, like a lot of folks probably, I'd, like I'd say first job out of school was working for a small A&D firm doing like restaurant and retail design, which I found, um, you know, 
I blame most of that phase of my life on on the movies, right? Like most architects live in a mansion on a bluff overlooking the ocean. Uh, turns out you make like twenty five thousand dollars a year, working like seventy hours a week doing like production drafting for Sealy Mattress Factory or uh, Bob Evans Restaurant or La Salsa's or all the various things, right? So, uh, became a little bit disenfranchised with that and decided to go. Do what I think a lot of people in their mid-20s do, right? Which is like try to find a corporate ladder. Um, seemed like the right move. Uh, Steelcase, uh, which is a great company, was making a push to find people with like backgrounds in architecture to um, uh, go through with the, their um, architecture and furniture technology products division, right? So it was like raised flooring, plug-and-play power, um, modular movable wall systems, how it interacted with the furniture. And they wanted people who could like speak that language and go out and sell it to um, other architects, facility managers, things of that nature, and then oversee installation and manage like the whole sales order process. So, um, and that was like interesting, right? So, and it, and it gave me, I think, a little bit of what I wanted uh, during that, that point in my life. And, um, and it also gave me the ability to travel, right? So I traveled at peak like 30 to 35 weeks a year, right? It was kind of like living out of a suitcase um, and and gave me a lot of the things that I thought I wanted in life in terms of that corporate ladder and, you know, was making pretty good money. And, and again, nothing, not a bad word to say about that company. But uh, while I was doing that, I lived downtown and this starts the process to buy real estate, <laughs> right? So uh, I was living downtown and, and I got rid of my car uh, because, uh, you know, I traveled a lot and so it was like... Uh, lived in the Osborne apartment building at mm-hmm. East Ninth and here on Prospect and I could just walk and go catch a train, go to the airport, uh, you know, and then I would land in whatever city I was going to, public transportation or a taxi, right? And um, and and that actually kind of helped me set the stage for, I think, finding a lot of what I was really interested in, right? Because I would go to these cities uh, and you kind of get out and after work, like, you don't have friends or anything like that. So it's like, what do you do? You take a walk and uh, you know, and I would go out and I would see all these things and think like, well, why don't we have that at home? And, you know, oh, this is really cool. And I'd keep my little notebook and um, and all that was great, except that over the course of time, you realize that you don't actually care about those places at all. Uh, right. And and the work I did was very weird, like <laughs> selling modular wall systems. Uh, you know, and I realized that was kind of a niche industry. And uh, my big clients were like UBS and Merrill Lynch and a lot of those bank type things. And so sometimes that worked out well, right? Like I spent about two years in New York City, two weeks on, one week off, two weeks on, one week off. Um, And then sometimes that meant I would do like UBS bank branches throughout the country and do these scatter shop trips. And uh, one day I found myself in my my hotel chain that I used was uh, Intercontinental Hotel Groups, mainly because I had the most hotels on the island of Manhattan. Right. So I'd always stay in a different one so I could see different parts of the city. Um, <laughs> but when, when I would travel outside of uh, New York, uh, I assure you, once you've been inside one Holiday Inn Express, you've been in every <laughs> single one. Uh, and that gets back to the production CAD drafter and me who would do like, you know, uniformity. And so uh, I woke up one morning and couldn't remember where I was. Uh, Fair. Omaha, Nebraska was the answer, uh, uh, you know, doing a little UBS uh, branch there and like was kind of like, I really need to do something different with life. And, um, you know, and, and, and at the time I was serving on the board of the historic Gateway Neighborhood Corporation mm. downtown, right, which 
you know, again, was really exciting to me, right? And, like, you realize you have a problem when you're more excited to, like, go to a board meeting about something than what you're actually doing yeah. every day. Um, and at the but same you time, want board you want board members that are excited like yeah, that, right? right? You know, so <laughs> yeah. it, it it was really interesting, and 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 at the same time, also fascinating, right? Like uh, being in the contract furnishings industry uh, around the time of the Great Recession, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like there are ripple effects that we are seeing. It's like again, think of a, particularly those bigger clients, right? Like, what's the first thing you're going to cut before you start cutting people or whatever? furniture right yeah. so i'd have clients that would like buy like a million dollars worth of product from me I'd be like we're cutting back a little bit this year and it's like how much everything <laughs> yeah. right and it's like oh this can't be good one, right and so uh you know so again and, and i started seeing that like probably six months to a year like noticing things like that before the bottom really started dropping out on the economy um and then you know i remember that there is a time so our office uh had been consolidated over the course of time, right? Like Steelcase used to have a plant uh, outside of Solon. Um, and then they had like whittled that down. And finally there were just a handful of us left. And we were working in the Ohio desk building downtown. That was like mm-hmm. my little, it's about when I got rid of the car, right? Like yep. walk to work, you know, could go do everything I need to go downtown, take a train when I was traveling. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I remember our VP kind of came down from Grand Rapids. That's where headquartered and, you know, mentioned that, they were interested in me moving to Grand Rapids. I said, I don't want to move to Grand Rapids, right? Uh, you know, this is where I'm from. And, you know, and he said, but Tom, if you're with Steelcase, all roads lead to Grand Rapids. Uh, and I said, I understand that, but, like, I don't know if I want to do that. And, and he said, well, you know what that probably means? And I said, yes, I do. And then I went home and I threw up because I realized what that probably meant. Yeah. Uh, and so it took a little bit of time, right, until they kind of wound things down. Um, and so we were in the midst of that great recession going on where the job market had just completely bottomed out. Um, my wife was pregnant with our first child. Uh, and again, God bless the case. They gave me a really generous severance package, which allowed me in my early to mid thirties to sit down and figure out what I really want to be when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, uh, spent a lot of time. God bless my wife, right? Like she kind of supported me <laughs> while I was like having this like third life crises of like figuring out uh, what was out there. And like I said, serving on the board of the historic gateway neighborhood corporation uh, kind of opened my eye to like all these different things in the civic sector. And I kind of charted out all the different um, fields and what could be And CDCs were one of them. I'm not sure I really would have ever known or figured out what that was. Right. Um, CDC as in Community Development, Community Development Corporation, right? <laughs> uh, and it was funny, as I was mapping that out, I remember a, a guy who's been a good friend and a mentor over the years, Tom Yablonski, uh, used to be the uh, executive uh, vice president of the Downtown Cleveland Alliance and was the head of the Gateway Corporation. Uh, I met him for lunch one day, I'll never forget, and kind of talking through this and I said, Tom, I think I really have an aptitude for this stuff and I'm interested. Uh, you know, and he goes, I agree. He goes, but here's the first thing you need to know private sector pay is up here and he like holds his head up above his head and he goes public sector pay is here and holds it about eye high he goes non-profit sector pay is like down here right <laughs> uh, i was like oh yeah sure whatever and so uh but I, I was going through all these different potential opportunities that were out there and uh one of them happened to be there were a few jobs with then the ohio city near west development corporation uh that were listed and uh i had those circled and uh, my former boss, uh, 
uh, Eric Wilkeser, who was the city manager in Sandusky, right? Like, um, I harassed the shit out of him. Uh, he had no idea who I was, and I just wouldn't relent. And he later told me he only interviewed me because I just kept harassing him. And, like, all these people were like, you should really talk to this guy. And, and I kind of, like, talked my way into that job, which which is ironic because I went from making, like, well over $100,000 a year to a $42,000 kind of um, we have a bad habit in CBCs of like, it's the director of economic development for like an entry level salary. Um, you know, it's fine but if the, you yeah. have like a lot of experience, we're still not going to totally. pay you your work. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but I remember thinking like, you know, oh, this is such an amazing opportunity. And I, you know, always thought like if I could just kind of have the opportunity to really talk to, I could sell them on, you know, and so that was 13 and a half years ago. Right. right. Uh, so, and it took, every bit of almost 11 months, I think, to kind of go through that transition and, and figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And and while we were doing that, again, uh, kind of transit geek, all those sorts of things, I remember thinking, telling my wife one day, I'm like, we can't afford to live in this apartment anymore because uh, our downtown apartment, right? And I right. Uh, was not working. We were trying to ration money and uh, being a big transit geek, she is... Uh, She's from the Heights, right? And uh, I looked at like the little area around Shaker Square, and I was like, "But this is the city of Cleveland. It's right on a train line, and uh, you know, we found a place that we could move into uh, that worked." And uh, so, and like I said, she's from the Heights, and uh, you know, so moved up there and got a job at Ohio State Incorporated, and thus became bi riveral working for a community development corporation. So you're saying uh, you didn't go to college? design and architecture you didn't go for community development no no very cool um yeah and you know it's it's funny i i again i i feel like shit you go back and talk to like most people that you know what did they go to school for how many people actually end up doing what they matriculated for right Right. but i always felt it it was a very related field right um you know and even the economic development the planning stuff which i started like it's sales, right? Like I've always been pretty good at the sales and the ability to kind of talk to people and understand what they want and what they're after and how that translates. Um, and I'm super passionate about the city of Cleveland. And so I say like, you know, you sell a product you believe in, uh, you'll be pretty good at it. And so that, that part was always very easy for me. And, uh, again, the, the planning stuff to me, um, related i think if you have any sort of design background all that stuff kind of seems to be and I, I was always interested in it and i suppose if i had it to do over again i would uh i've probably gotten a degree in like urban planning but you know when you grow up in bainbridge yeah. uh <laughs> you know uh, what's available is available well, yeah it's i, I, I joke too it's usually. like yeah I, I i always say it's like i have the job my guidance counselor never told me this, like, <laughs> right um but yeah, it's a it's a fascinating field on a lot of different levels. So you mentioned that you know you've always kind of like had this love for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. What is it about Cleveland that really just like makes you want to improve it? You know that's interesting. So I like my my earliest memories, of, and so like I said, I, I grew up in Bainbridge, right? Um, my grandfather grew up in Slavic Village. Um, he met my grandmother post-World War II. She was a farmer, they, so they ended up in the <laughs> middle field, uh, right? So my mom was out there. But he always, like, took my mom downtown, so they were rude in that. And I, I think that kind of, like, translated a little bit because my, my parents were pretty good for, for growing up in Bainbridge. They, they took us into the city for a lot of different stuff, right? But, like, my, my earliest memories, I was always mesmerized by the terminal tower. Yeah. When we'd come in, I, 
like again my my kind of misplaced love of architecture turning into a degree uh right but uh i remember going down uh prospect avenue in some of the earlier days they were taking us down to playoff square and my mom telling me to put my head between my legs and i didn't quite understand why until a number of years later but the old days of prospect avenue and the ladies of the night yeah uh, you know, it, it, it depends uh, on the time to, i don't to, know how yeah. much you're familiar yeah. with that portion oh, of yeah. our history um, oh yeah well, well it, it, it's for another episode. It, it's like, but it, but it, it's, it was like mesmerizing to me, right? Well, like yeah, absolutely. The, the transition of Cleveland from this like amazing metropolis, right, with all this vibrancy that just kind of got like hollowed out, but still has all these vestiges of like, um, you know, the, you can see it, right? Like, and and there's a grit to it, but it, but it's like there, and so I was always taken aback by that. Even like when you know I was living downtown. Uh, you know, those kind of early days of the downtown transformation, uh, the early 2000s and stuff. It's like here we are in the Osborne building, like East 4th was just starting to become a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my roommate and I would play a game that would be like on Saturday mornings, uh, who can name a restaurant that's open to eat at other than the Winking Lizard? It was <laughs> a very difficult game. But like even when you would like walk to East 4th Street, like most of the buildings were like, boarded up windows broken out like all that kind of stuff and and like and it just you can see the potential everywhere because it was once such a great and thriving city and the bones are so good right and like so that idea of always just like it is right here we just kind of have to like polish it up a little bit right and like figure out to see that potential yeah right like again was always something i was into so so again taking that forty two thousand dollar a year cvc job was a dream job to me right like and we were working like everyone on our staff was working 50 60 hours a week and like you didn't think about it you were just like let's go 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 i mean it was it was it was exhausting um still is but like (laughs) um it was a blast right like and you and it's the thing that i've always loved about community development work too is like the work is so tangible right like um granted it takes years to get to a lot of stuff but like you know, particularly in the economic development field, there's something so amazing about talking to some entrepreneur who's like, I have quote unquote, a great idea. <laughs> Most of them are terrible, <laughs> actually. Um, you know, but but like, you know, you talk to somebody, it's like, you can just see they have like this passion and drive and this dream, something they want to do, and they don't quite know what to do with it. And to be able to sit with them and like, kind of help them on that journey and connect them to resources and kind of show them different sort and like, help them open a a business is like an amazing feeling right yeah. um yeah so again it's i don't know it's just something i was always kind of interested in and um gravitated towards a lot of ways i wish i would have found it sooner um i'm a glutton but, uh, <laughs> um, well, if you like it you would like more of it that makes yeah. sense but i also think like what did you take from those other jobs mm-hmm. to now oh. curate you to what position you are in now as like yeah. executive director in Ohio City? Uh, you know, so the one thing I I don't recommend my career path to anyone, right? <laughs> uh, and and I but I do remember even at whatever thirty three, thirty four years old, however old I was, thinking this is the last. And my, again, my wife was pregnant with our first kid, and I knew that. And like this is the last time I had the opportunity to take a financial hit like that and like rebuild, right? Like because. Mm-hmm. Once you get a little bit older and, you know, yeah. all the needs of life and stresses, like, I would have never done that, right? So um, I recognize that then, but uh, 
I think that there's a lot that came out of there. I mean, one, uh, you know, spending over a decade in a Fortune 500 company is a great training ground, right? Like from a professionalism standpoint in terms of systems and process and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of people get in our industry probably don't come from a background like that. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I think that sales is always a, a very good thing. And, you know, somebody would do like 10 or $11 million worth of business a year, right? Like, I, you know, knowing what it's like to close a million dollars. Like, yep. those are all practical experiences that I think translate to, to most anything. And then, you know, looking back on, you know, a field like uh, never a licensed architect, of course. <laughs> that's a that's a, I could we could have a whole separate podcast on like the the field of architecture and the, the the challenges around that right but but being in like a design professional for a period of time right like uh, was an artist growing up all those kinds of things I feel like that also translates oddly into community development I mean you think so it's like looking around like uh, oh, this is a really nice streetscape uh, you know and like uh, all, all those kinds of things and banner programs and. Uh, all that kind of stuff, but like having an eye and a feel for design, I feel like is, you know, you think about like comprehensive neighborhood transformation type stuff, um, is applicable, right? So it's like you pick up a little bit of things here and there, um, but also like the, the discipline of architecture, I feel like, again, like I've always been a pretty hyper-organized person and, you know, some of that definitely comes from that field, right? It's like everyone's got their own like file system variety of decimal <laughs> points and like you know how they do things but um yeah it's were you artistic as a young child yeah okay yeah um yeah so i i always was super into art um growing up I actually received a partial art scholarship going to school um you know and, and it's super funny it's like i i never understood like like oh you're a good artist or you know you're not a good mm -hmm. artist what does that mean all those sorts of things um, I remember one time, uh, my parents are divorced, but like, uh, I was down at my dad's and I found like in the closet, I looked at, God, these paintings are amazing. And he's like, oh, those are your great grandmothers. Right. And so, uh, which are now in my dining room, like I just finally got bequeathed to me, but she was like an extraordinary artist. And it's fascinating to me the way that stuff kind yeah. of like comes around. It's also, uh, I've sadly found over the course of like, which again, kind of played into my failed thing of the architecture and design because, like, always loved sketching and drawing and, like, you know, all those kinds of things, and it seemed like an applied use of art. Um, but um, uh, it's definitely a skill that, like, you you lose as if you don't continue to yeah. do it, right? Um, and there was a point in my life where I could draw you a picture that was borderline photorealistic, right? Like, um, you know, I did a lot of stuff think a lot of, on pencil charcoal all that kind of stuff like i hesitate to pick up a pen and draw anymore because like really? i don't i don't like to not be good at something that i used to be so good at but right? don't you think like if you were to like re-engage that part that you yeah. would like maybe bring it back just like they say like if you have a second language you have to use it it's yes. not like almost like your second language correct correct and and you know fine is that and that's something that at various points in life like even like during the pandemic it's like i was always like oh i should I should really get back into that. And, you know, life is challenging for lots of people no and lots of reason. different things, right? Like, and, you know, I just, realities, like, I have a 60 to 70 hour 
week job and I've got a 12 year old and a 10 year old that I like to hang out with when I can. And they're cool you know, when they want to hang out with you too. Totally. No, they want to hang out with you And that time like, is fleeting, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm, they're like, I'm oh, they're still cool. <laughs> totally. Like they still like seeing us and hang out a little bit. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's just totally a time factor right now. There are a lot of things I'd love to be doing that I just don't have the time to do right now, which seems like a cop out, but just, so like, what do you do though to keep yourself Mm -hmm. like, to make sure you don't get that burnout to like, what do you do to prevent yourself from crossing that line of burning out and not being in this field and making sure like other people see you in the light that you want them to see you in. Yeah. It's hard. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and again, not, not unique to our field or whatever. And lots of people deal with this in different ways. Right. But like working for a tiny little outrageously under-resourced organization that always feels like it's going to go out of business with like all the various, you know, there's, mm. I always say it's like, there's 10,000 people in the neighborhood. There's 10 of us, there's 250 small businesses, there's 10 of us. You know, it's a billion dollars investment, 10 of us, right? And like, and everyone wants different things from you. It's not possible to like actually keep up with the volume of things that come in the door. Um, You know, over the course of years, I've done a variety of things to manage that. Um, Some have worked better than others. Um, Had some really good routines going and then a giant plague descended upon the earth and ruined (laughs) all of them. Uh, You know, but, uh, uh, you know, for a while I was, I was, getting real good into doing a variety of meditations on a daily basis and seeing a therapist just to like talk through the conversations so that they don't actually come out of my mouth in other places. Um, <laughs> we are praying you know, for therapy. Yeah. Right yeah. Like I changed my diet quite a bit, like trying to find, you know, again, I didn't have a car for almost 15 years. And so uh, in addition to taking transit, right. And you're like doing laps around stations and taking buses. And then for a while, it's like, I would take, all my meetings that weren't in the neighborhood, like where I'd go to city hall a lot, you know, taking a bike and doing all that. And like, it was in a real good place. And then the plague came and, and, you know, then then I gained a bunch of weight and now I just (laughs) clinging to life like everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, sorry. We're we're, we're pigeon now. I I hear you. Cause that's a pretty, that's a pretty consistent thing. Heidi, whenever we're talking to people, she, because the professional aspect of your life is evident because we know you a little bit and can yeah. perceive, but the human being behind it is obviously doing something to persist because like you mentioned, this that industry particularly, I, it, it it is, uh, what's a good word? It's a bit corrosive to the individual. Yeah. Well, if you care, it ha- it will corrode you. It will. It has to. Um, I, you know, and I... I, I'm a big fan of like the value thing. So mm-hmm. I like I, I have my value card like sitting in my drawer. I still pull it out and look at it. So honesty, empathy, and persistence. And I've always found persistence to be yeah. the most underrated of the value characteristics, right? Like because in our work, if you are not willing to just keep going after something day after day after day, it will never happen, right? So. Yeah. And uh, in, in, in this work, um, so you've been in the exact role you're in for how long now? Almost nine years. I think it'll Almost be nine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I've been with the organ. Yeah. It'll be 14 years, I think, this year, 2010. So it took 13 years and um, eight and a half as executive, right? 2014. Oh, still. Almost a decade. I yeah. Mean, not with, not with yeah. the come, plague come, that you described. Yes. Uh, correct. Correct. <laughs> um, correct. 
which I don't know that that was ever the plan, right? Like it, it's just kind of the way it evolved. Um, you know, again, I uh, will always be grateful for Eric for taking a chance on a, um, persistent, persistent (laughs) and, uh, unusual candidate for a job that just was able to convince him that I might be able to do this stuff. Right. And, uh, when he had the opportunity to go home and be the city manager in Sandusky, which um, is a really unique opportunity, right? Like, he, was I interested in going to do that with him? And I kind of laughed and said, that is your hometown, not mine. Um, but Sandusky's great. Nothing wrong right? with that. Yeah, no, fantastic place. Um, uh, you know, and, and kind of threw my hat in the ring and was fortunate enough to get this role. And, you know, you, you never know what's around each corner, right? But, like, the work we've done is like it's just kind of keeps pulling you through right so i think like you talked about being persistent and that being one of your like main things but what inspires you to keep doing what you're doing so it, I, i'll i'll say again right like it is such a unique experience and i say like the work that we do is so tangible right like it it's crazy to me the impact that you can have um like i remember uh um uh, where mitchell's ice cream is uh in there right and so uh that building the old rialto theater started out as this old vaudeville theater right like you know however many years ago and then went through multitudes of uses over the years and um it was a salvation army and like all this sort of stuff and then again is a city kind of hollowed out vacant and then in the early 2000s or something it became this like super fancy nightclub called moda uh, <laughs> which lasted for a hot minute until like gunshots uh, would ring out of it every night and all the things me. right um you know and then it sat vacant for several years and it was like this rotting carcass in the middle of the neighborhood that like was just kind of screaming about you know all the issues and challenges and uh uh you know meeting mike mitchell it's a that kind of started on like a cold call right i had an architect friend that uh uh, was like they're looking to expand some stuff you should give this guy a call and i called him and he's like this sounds great i'm gonna come down and check it out right and uh and came down and uh we went to lunch at uh great lakes and by the time we left he had a deal with ted conway to make christmas sale ice cream Uh, (laughs) and then like we went down the street and campbell's popcorn had opened and uh we were you know showing him how we were trying to get everyone to do things kind of out in the open so he could see and touch it and like he's like this is exactly where i want to be and you know walking down the street and saw that building he's like this is it this is what have to be i'm like great because that property owner is a lunatic (laughs) never gonna get this done right and so um you know i spent the better part of a year with with mike and pete um figuring that out and i remember tracy nichols at the city of cleveland uh director of, she, i'm like she was a godsend like everything came together and we figured it out and they opened it but like you know to be a part of you know this building that had been had been such a pain point for the neighborhood and then like to walk down the street and see a line of strollers out the door of it is like pretty unbelievable right like and so the ability to do things like that i think is incredibly unique right and we've been involved for a number of years and um uh taking a hillside that is slowly crumbling and falling into the cuyahoga river uh and helping to what will eventually transform it into a 23 acre waterfront park right Right. it's like 
to me, he it's talks a, about it, it like it's just, just like you know it's going to happen. It's like whatever. <laughs> well, and it has been an enormous list by a multitude of, of people, right? But it's like things like that. Like I, I do like again. I'm never going to say a bad word about a steel case or whatever. Sure. And like everyone's work is hard, right? Like, um, but I remember like waking up and being like, "What am I doing?" Right? Like I had a good job. Um, it paid me relatively well. Like it was a good company, but like, what was I doing? And like, and so to be, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, totally right. Like, it's like I was selling and, 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 and overseeing installation of modular office wall systems, right? Like it's a weird niche industry. Um, the best part about that job to me was I got to see the country, right? Which was cool and shaped a lot of my opinions and thoughts on, on things today. But, um, you know, so I, I recognize how unique it is to be in a position where you can like really make mass change. Um, and change is hard for a lot of folks, which is a whole different conversation. But um, it is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's that, so that every day, right? Impact. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's super unique, right? And it's really difficult to talk to, I think, outside of this industry or anyone like it. Because that isn't really how change seems to occur for society, like for no. communities. It, it's supposed to be from the outside, and you are there. I, it totally and 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 it's and it's like the the silly little things, like all the things that like you really like just remember. Um, uh, but I will always remember this one day. I was uh, I was getting ready to go down. I think I was probably going to city hall or some such thing, and our, our offices were right above Market Avenue and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Market Square Park, right? The uh, second uh, second busiest bus intersection in the entire city of Cleveland, outside of uh, public tra- outside of uh, public square downtown, right? And so nine buses come through there. So I go and I stand and I'm waiting for the bus. I'm just standing there, and this woman uh, rolls up, and you know she's got her little shopping cart, uh, you know may or may not be unhoused, right? All those sorts of things, and she is just looking around, beaming. She's like, it's just so much better down here, right? And it's like that that's awesome. Huge. That's awesome. Right. And it's like, that's why you do this stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, and not everyone gets the opportunity to like impact like a public realm in that way. Um, that's generations of effect. Totally. Even if it's a quote unquote middling success. Yeah. Two generations yeah. will have touched said thing. Yeah. Like those so, strollers you mentioned. Yeah. How many of them 10 years from, you know, what I mean? like that kind well, of an impact is really and, hard and to even like, qualify. I remember when I first started, you know, Shit, I graduated in college in 99 and uh, going down to, like, the ABC Tavern mm-hmm. uh, in Ohio City, uh, which we frequented from time to time. Uh, <laughs> Here uh, and there. You know, and, and but, like, when I was uh, out of school and stuff, I mean, and look, people, I mean, it, it's an amazing neighborhood. There's been a lot of people. But there weren't, like, younger, particularly younger women just mm-hmm. moving there on their own and stuff like that. And I remember... Uh, we hired uh, Zoe Adams, uh, uh, who's now with NRP Group and Marketing or whatever. And she, at the time, she was like 22 right out of school. And it's like, where do you live? She's like, why? You know, where? I was like, really? I was like, that never used to happen, right? That like, you know, it, it was just interesting to watch like more and more of like the younger people, and particularly younger, like just kind of start moving into the neighborhood, right? Like it's it's fascinating. So. Uh, We've done a lot of the talking about the neighborhood mm-hmm. that you work in mm-hmm. um, and the work that you do in the neighborhood. Is there anything that comes to mind 
like the idea of this impact being so misunderstood regularly, is there anything else about this work you do in community development that you feel like outside of it, people have a general misunderstanding about? Like, is there anything that comes to mind? Well, I mean, you, you work in the CDC world, so... Well, I think that there's a gajillion conspiracy theories about all of it, <laughs> no, right? Like, are, listen, it's all about theories. Yeah, right? It's just, uh, like I said, it's I always say affectionately about Ohio City, if there's 10,000 people who live there, there's 25,000 opinions, right? And, and that is <laughs> yes. one of the best things about the neighborhood, and people are very happy to share their opinion with you, um, you know, on a variety of different things. But, you know, I, people always just assume... You know, the worst of all these sorts of things, this big, bad, evil system of, uh, you know, and you're just kind of steering this and you're being paid off to do that and the evil developer and blah, blah, So you haven't gotten your check? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I have not. Um, it's uh Yeah, it is. Yeah, my board chair always, it's like, my board chair is always like, uh, you know, if, if they're bribe masters, we're doing a really bad job of it. Um, you know, but, but yeah, so I, that part can be hard, right? Like. Um, because you mentioned uh, the people behind it, right? A lot of people don't pause to think about the humans behind it. You know, um, uh, Mayor Michael White, uh, who I've gotten to know decently well over the years, always says, like, everyone loves progress, but everyone hates change, right? Yep. And when you are in a place that's going through a lot of change, it elicits a lot of emotions and opinions, and that comes through, right? I mean, we've had... Yeah, I mean, the whole gamut of emotions and opinions that are presented to you in a variety of fashions. In whatever means or, or, or abilities they right. have to give. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and honestly, it's like and when I think about, again, my, my do like empathy is a value and really trying to put yourself in somebody others, someone else's shoes and like think what they're thinking. Like I remind myself all the time because like in, in a neighborhood like Ohio City, even if somebody is sharing with you something, a very colorful opinion um, uh, in whichever manner they want to share it, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I remind myself that they're only doing that because they care deeply about that place and they don't want you to mess it up. And your idea of what's right may be different than their idea about what's right. And I think what I always try to say is it's just that. Like, you know, you're a professional that is working in this and you're trying to make decisions on a daily basis of what you think is in the best interest of the neighborhood. And you may not be right, but you're making that decision with the best of intentions based right. on all the information that you have to you at that time, right? And you're bound to, in neighborhoods that are going through this, um, you know, run into those types of disagreements, right? So you talked about your board chair and um, can you explain like a little bit about what your board looks like how it's made up because yeah. again cdc's can be different than like typical nonprofits and how they get board members and then maybe like touch on your relationship what it means to have like a really strong relationship with your board chair and things like that yeah well I, so and 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 even within the cdc world right like boards can be mm -hmm. wildly different we are one of the few and i, I don't know how many there are but um we are still a majority elected board Right. Um, I, th I think at one point we were a totally elected board. Like we might have used to have like, I think it was like 17 board members that were like all elected. And now it was changed. There's 12 resident elected board members. Uh, and then we have appointments. And, and, and that's healthy too, right? Because 
um, I think when I first started there and Eric really got this going because he like brought, invite him as ad hoc, but like, how do you not have a St. Ignatius High School or, you know, these major like real stakeholders yeah. of the neighborhood like involved in, in the process? Um, yeah. And at the same time, you know, I think that we still and have always wanted it to be a majority resident led organization. Right. Um, uh, and so and, th- and that's interesting. Right. Um, uh, because you have people, it's not like a normal board where it's like, here is what we need to make our organization better. We need somebody with a strong marketing background or whatever, right? It's like you're getting people who are running because they care about the place. Um, and and that is different necessarily than like I care about the organization, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, but again, one thing I never have to deal with either in the neighborhood or on the board is apathy, Right, like, um, yeah. which is which is good. Apathy um, is probably the single worst thing. Dude. Right, you know. Now, um, admittedly, again, it's like CDCs are kind of weird entities, right? In that, um, we have no real authority on anything <laughs> that we do, but we have influence, right? And um, and we're like inside the system, but um, I'm, I'm going to seriously date myself here. Um, but I always think of that uh, old commercial about BASF. I still don't know what the hell BASF. I don't is. know what they. I don't I know, but I remember the commercial, uh, and it's like we don't make a lot of the products you buy. We make a lot of the products you buy better, yes. right? And like, and that's and that's kind of like what we do, right? And so, but but even then, and so it's like so people get on the board, and it and it really is more of a um, oversight role. It's like you know, working with the board on creating strategy and like the direction that you want to go and activities that you want to do and then checking in with them as you go, which is different than a traditional nonprofit where it's like, I want to give you my time, my talent, your treasure, right? It's like even volunteer opportunities are are a little bit harder to figure out like where you fit. Um, But, uh, you know, again, I've got a fantastic board chair that I've had for a number of years who I think is, um, very supportive of the organization, um, you know, in a neighborhood that has a lot of different opinions, um, which is important, I think, uh, you know, as we navigate a lot of that stuff. Um, over the course of years, we've had residents who have wildly different opinions about uh, what they want the organization to be, what direction the neighborhood could go, right? And like, and how do we have like real conversations that kind of shape that? Um, you know, and, and again, that's looked different at different times uh, in our organization's history. Um, but uh, I, I agree with you, right? Like, to me, the, the number one enemy of all this stuff is apathy, and I will never have that problem, right? Like, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'll, I'll leave it there. You're like, better not yeah. go there. Yeah, yeah, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just, we'll just stop right there. <laughs> yes. So we talked a lot about, like, your history of coming up and things like that. We touched a little bit on your childhood, um, but who was the most influential person on your life? Oh, wow. Um, like life life or like professional life? Like or? life life. Um, because I feel like your life life also runs into your professional life. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, look, I, I, you know, like, like a lot of folks, like I, I was blessed in a lot of different ways, right? Like, you know, we certainly weren't rich. I also like never wanted for a need mm-hmm. uh type thing um i you know I, I also recognize how lucky i was my, my parents got divorced when i was four 
Um, and then both of them were married by the time I was six. So I kind of grew up with like two families um, in a Brady Bunch type situation. Uh, you know, and so I, I inherited, uh, I, I even hate calling them like my stepbrothers just because sure. um, you, know, brothers. you grew up yeah. fighting over the bathroom. And stuff and, <laughs> Your brother. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. totally right. <laughs> um, you know, but, but I, I, I lived, uh, my mom, my stepdad up here in, in Bainbridge area, my, my stepdad was a, just a really great guy that I um, uh, was very helpful in life. Um, but yeah, I, so again, like, like a lot of people, I, my parents were a big influence on me. My, my dad, my stepmom, my mom, my stepdad, um, you know, kind of helping to point me in the right direction uh, in a lot of those things. You know, uh, my grandfather, which we affectionately referred to as Peter Pan, uh like it was like even he died when he was like 93 and at like 92 and three quarters he was still acting like he was 13 (laughs) Um, uh was a you know a a really fun guy to to be a part of that i think uh uh, shaped me a lot too um you know and then uh, you know professionally i've had uh you know lots of folks that that have been helpful with this you know i mentioned tanya blonsky who was like uh a great guy um Chris Warren, um, uh, who was the chief development officer for, for a couple different mayors, uh, right? So um, his stepdaughter has, you know, grew up with my wife, mm-hmm. right? So that's uh, that we kind of my uh, m- my best friend, almost like common law marriage, like best friend, um, <laughs> uh, uh, ended up marrying Sarah, whose best friend was my wife, and so we got pulled together, but. I remember, um, you know, Chris Warren, like I said, he uh, used to be a chief development officer, and his wife, uh, Linda, uh, uh, used to do community development at the city or whatever, and I remember um, when we would, like, go over to their house, and, like, I, like I was in fact all the story, like, it made me want to be more civically involved, right? So um, I looked up to them in that regard. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I've been fortunate to have a lot of people that have been very helpful to me along the way. So when people look at you, what do you want to be remembered by? Oh, um, my questions around here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hope that, you know, if anyone who's, people are always going to have opinions about who they think you are, right? Based on what they, their perceptions about what they right. see happening in the neighborhood and their assumptions on all that kind of stuff and things. You know, I, I hope that, like, people who actually interact with me know that, one, that I genuinely care about the things that I do and that if you ask me an honest question, you'll get an honest answer, right? Like, uh, even early on when I got into this stuff, like, I never wanted to be the politician, right? Like, I wanted to do the work. Um, and uh, so I, I hope that that comes through, right? So that's what you're, yeah. you want your legacy to be. Yeah, right? Okay. Like, the, somebody who genuinely cared and just wanted to make this a, a little bit better place and um you know the best they could well they had the opportunity well like i said it's like yeah you never know how long you're gonna do this no. stuff right That's other things, yeah. and and you know it's like i said it is cdc's are like the ground floor of the civic system and it's like the implementation arm of it to a degree and um you know again it's like i've been doing it 13 years it's it's hard i don't know that i'm going to do it another 13 um and likely i may have different types of impact again it's like you know i I don't know that i'll be helping somebody move in to fix an old vaudeville theater and turn it into an ice cream factory right how many more of those Uh, right like that kind of stuff (laughs) like so um yeah 
do you have any like recommendations or what would you say to somebody that would be wanting to get into this industry? So the first thing I'd say to anyone who wants to get into industry and what I always appreciated about Cleveland is that if you want to get in, you can make an amazing impact, right? Like, you know, when you go to a lot of the bigger cities that are out there, uh, you know, you think about the, the Chicago and places like that. It's like, by and large, you're a dweller. You are going there because whatever cool job you think, you know, DTTD, and it's like, and here's all the amenities around you. Like, Cleveland is still in a massive transition phase. And, like, if you are willing to come in and roll your sleeves up and do the work, there is tons of opportunity for you, right? Um, and you can make a real difference, right? So that, that to me, is, like, um, the biggest selling point. Like, if you're somebody who, like, really wants to make change, like, you can do that here. Um, you know, the other thing that I'd say is um, to be persistent uh, and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, again, as somebody who, um, you know, for again, I, I have plenty of advantages growing up being the middle-class white dude and, uh, you know, so... Again, sure. I, I know that like every door I walk in, like, you know, people are going to kind of listen to what I say and all that kind of like, so, you know, I get it. And at the same time, I also didn't have any advocates in this world. You know what I mean? Like I came from kind of the private side of things and just kept trying to like network and find a way to get in. And so you don't have to be some sort of like political appointee to kind of like make it in here, um, you know, but be persistent, be consistent. And also... Be ready to eat shit sandwiches for a while when you do it because, you know, most of the ways to get into the system like that aren't exactly. Uh, they're not pretty. They're not pretty, but they're cool. And that's and that's the difference here to some places, right? It's like, you know, again, I, I feel like the CDC and a lot of the civic industry, like a lot of places there's been like no wage growth whatsoever, right? Like, um you know, and a $40,000 a year job, it, you know, is uh, for oftentimes people with advanced degrees, uh, right? Like, it's kind of crazy, but like, holy crap, the things they let you do, <laughs> right? Like, no joke. Like, um, that's amazing to me. Um, you know, it's like, we got some great people on our staff, but like 22, 23 years old. And it's like, but shit, I remember like when I get onto it, like borderline pinching myself on a daily basis i'm like how the hell did i just got out of a meeting in like the red room of the mayor's office right. all these people were like talking about these big changes and stuff it's like how did i get in this room <laughs> like why am i in this yeah room? why like, am i what? in here like uh, how are they didn't you know all the people that you think are uh you know again if you pay attention to this stuff it's like the council people and the big administration it's like how do you get in this room but like you can right that's what's amazing like and and you can like Again, like CDCs are weird. They have no authority, but they have plenty of influence. And there's like, um, in most cases, not all, there's like a legitimacy to, you know, your presence and the ability to kind of like do some of these things that like, funny, even some people in the private sector don't, don't quite get it, like in different partners we work with. And they think that they can just like, we're going to do this to all these like, it's like, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? But like, you know, being a community-based organization that is legitimized allows you to kind of pull together all the different partners in ways that you can, if you build the right coalition, move that stuff forward, which is, again, like, 
yeah, so I, that to me is it. Like, be prepared to like kind of come in, but like, boy, there's opportunity in front of you if you're willing to put in the work and uh, the time and earn your keep, so to speak. So if somebody gave you a blank check and said, what is the one thing that you want to take care of in Cleveland, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Um, do, do I have to like... Do, <laughs> <laughs> not a real can, I was about to say, do, like do, do, do I have to... Right. Do I have to solve like, you know, the second <laughs> yeah. poorest city in the country right. type thing or uh, education, attainment rates, all that kind of stuff? No, it could be something Or can really I just be cool. like a, a nerdy planning yeah. thing? Because um, it's more fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, but won't solve the problems. Uh, um I, I, you know, I still look at the midway, mm -hmm. right, um, as something that could revolutionize the city as it was originally envisioned. Um, you know, I, I remember um, when I had a breakfast one time with uh, Jacob Van Sickle, uh, who's the executive director, and, and Barb Flint. Uh, and uh, I mean, at that point, Again, I was just getting into this stuff. I'm like, what's a Shero? Uh, you know, <laughs> they're probably. But uh, we were we were talking about like these bike lanes and stuff on Lorraine Avenue, and they kept looking at each other like, do you know anything about the Midway? And I'm like, no, it's the Midway. And they like showed me this map. I was like, oh, uh, right. But like the idea of like a really first class interconnected protected bike network that like can get you from one end of the city to the other um, is pretty amazing. And uh, you know, I've. If you've been to Indianapolis and been on the cultural trail and see the way a system like that can work, um, you know, that you can literally kind of get from destination to destination, um, especially in, in a poor city where, like, uh, you know, it costs at this point, it was 9600 some odd dollars and change to own and operate a vehicle at average cost. I think it's higher than that now, um, right? But, uh, um, you know, I remember being in Indianapolis and, uh, you know, talking to another CDC person who was showing us around and like, you know, seeing somebody roll through the neighborhood and their bike with their kids and they were on like kind of rusty burning. It's like, it's like, that's what we love about this. It's not just for those downtown types. Yeah. Right. But it's like real transportation, um, you know, from eight to 80 in all income levels, um, you know, and, and seeing the development can fly, which then leads to the second part of it, which is how you thoughtfully develop around that so that it doesn't price everyone out of their neighborhoods becomes a gateway um, but I, I think that that could revolutionize things. And then also, um, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm and have always been like infatuated with our waterfronts. Uh, and I say waterfronts and not lakefront because uh -huh. the river, um, is such a critical part of that. And I feel like thankfully, right. Like we're finally starting to open our eyes to the potential and really starting to make the investments so that that stuff I feel like is like starting to approach the inevitability standpoint right which is um pretty miraculous we're we're still pretty far behind on the transportation end of things um maybe we'll get there we'll get yeah. there your answer was much better than mine you yeah. want to know what my answer was? yeah let's hear it I, I feel bad um <laughs> blank check i think my main issue with my my uh neighbors is a lack of thoughtful belief so I find people say that they think they'd do a lot better if they were elsewhere. So I want to mm. give them a full three, three year stipend of their current salary and a free one way ticket to any city they want to go to. 
provided they sign a contract and can't return. Even under the threat of interesting um, or, or unfortunate health circumstances with who they leave behind, don't care. And then half of the amount given out, I'd give for people who want to come here. No, like that that's kind of uh, no. That you that is not a bad answer. You see, no, I can't believe it. So, not 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 for your podcast, um, but one of my all time favorite games is you have. Five golden tickets to which you can hand to somebody, and they're going to get on a plane. Okay. They are not going to die. They are not going to be harmed in any way. Okay. They're going to get on that plane, and they can never come back. Who do you give those tickets to? The first five people I run into. Anybody that. Wow, that's rough, man. What about you ran into me? Like you, I don't know that you want it. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. The first five people want it. Yeah. Okay. I see. Like I'm saying. not going to stick it in your pocket. And not <laughs> see, see, you're much nicer than I am. In, in my game. Oh. These are people I, that may not. Them, yes, they have to take it, right? Well, like, for, yeah. We'll These are the people that may want to um, be here. Um, I can think of a few, but I yeah, can't say right. them out loud. We'll, we'll keep those off <laughs> my. But I would say anyone that is either a loud antagonist toward our city, or that is only loudly complaining about what isn't being I'm, made. I'm for down us. with that. I am totally down with that. Because I tell people that, and people think I'm joking. It's the main I, reason I don't play Mega Millions. Because if I hit. <laughs> I'm I'm not I am not kidding. I'm I, probably gonna do that in front of that in that podium in that backdrop. Okay, and I'll need to move. I'm down I'm with sure that. I, I see. I actually think this is a great idea. <laughs> I, I, and, and you know, it's funny because I I always think too. Um, uh, shit, I lost my thought. It was such a good one. Oh, it was no. it was a good one. Um, it'll come. Uh, well, no, I just want to excise the city okay. of, of anyone that because again, uh, I, yeah, go. Oh, no, no, all right. so, I, I did, uh, and I might lose it again, but I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna come. Uh, oh, I, you know, I, I, th- I think it's. An, we are at an interesting age too, right? Like, and I've always noticed this. Um, hang on, I'm now like the middle-aged white guy, right? Like, like 40, <laughs> 47, whose hair is rapidly going by the day. Um, but like, I feel like people who are even just a little bit older than me, like, are so negative towards the city, and and I've always thought it in the, the lens of like. I can't imagine what it would have been to have like grown up in a place like this when you saw it at like its kind right. of zenith and then watch it collapse and what that does to your psyche. Whereas like, you know, I'll back up to where I started in this thing, like is a kid in the car and having my mom say, cover yours and put your head between your legs mm-hmm. and not look out the window. And every single day, Cleveland is better than the day before in my lifetime, right? And that doesn't mean that we still don't have enormous challenges and problems and all kinds of things that we need to work through. But there is something for watching that incremental improvement that goes on and just realizing that, like, and I'm a huge fan of the incrementalism, right? Like, everyone wants to go from, like, here to, you know, the promised land overnight. And it's like, that doesn't work like that, right? Like, you have to take one step after the other. But I love watching those steps, right? Because it shows you the next step is possible. And, um, I think yeah. that's really interesting if you, like, look at Cleveland, like, if it was a person. And it's, like, them being better than the day, they, than the day before. Yeah. yeah. And, like, the improvement that is being seen and done by multiple people but we are still always trying to move forward yeah well and here's the other thing too that i think a lot of people like when they think about cities generally speaking right um growing is the easy part Mm -hmm. 
it's what you do after you're built out and those tax revenues get capped and your infrastructure ages and and not it's like you don't want to use it as an excuse but there is just a reality that we have infinitely more needs in this city than we have resources yep. right um and there are real challenges and problems that come with that and like you know you look at a lot of like the new south and these growing cities that's super fun and all but one day they're going to have a hundred year old sewer system and are. all those kinds yep. of things and they won't be able to get any more revenues coming in and like you know they start having challenges with the schools and all those sorts of things they come and like the real the real fun begins like <laughs> when you have to rebuild cities and and you know the legacy cities have legacy problems but they also have legacy assets uh, and I think that's where we find ourselves and I think that's actually what makes it like kind of amazing and intoxicating and fun you know I had plenty of reasons to like you but that yeah. you, you you co-signed yeah. my ideas definitely. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I'm, no, I'm down with getting all the haters out. <laughs> like, and uh, honestly, I think you're doing it them, does nothing doing for them a Yes, get. Oh, sorry, I was get the heck out of here. Get, uh, right? Yes, that's uh, a much better way to say. You can swear. It's numbers. okay, Tom. We've had our conversations yeah. off, off, off yeah. but no, that thing I think is the biggest thing: yeah. the apathy and that. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. I I never I never understood. Um, e- even like, I don't understand the people who like live in the city and are so angry about living in the city it's like they're it, we don't even have to put you on a plane to city x man <laughs> no. there's plenty of options outside of here on any like, of our inter- interstates yeah we'll like where you want to go people who just seem to hate being around other people inside it's like i i don't understand like you're in the in the city like that's a choice uh and, and if resources are a thing that you don't have enough of you can work towards them yeah but no it's no that's that's uh I'm, see, I, someone's with me, and yeah, I don't think I, it's terribly. I don't think it's that bad of an idea. No, <laughs> he's like, no, it's no. great. I'm, I'm, I'm all for I'm, this. I'm, I think, but the only issue ends up being we only have three hundred some odd thousand. Like, how many will actually cash that in at the cost? And yeah. then, okay, so now we only have one hundred eighty thousand people. So I need yeah. to figure out how to get more. Yeah. Back. So I had to, I had yeah, to amend no, no, the no, idea there's, there's... to add people who want to come to it. Yeah, I, I like that. But that's, that's, that's... Uh, but yeah. Um, no, you actually do the work on the ground, though. So my idea is pie in the sky. It's tricky, but it's not incremental. That incrementalism is probably the single most strong way to describe community development work oh. for anyone that's not aware well, of it. Yeah, man, that, yeah. That, that is very real, right? Like, you know, and even now it's like you hear people, it's like, thinking about what's happened in Ohio City. I always say, Ohio City is like the overnight success story that's like 60 years in the making, <laughs> right. right? Like. Um, and it started like on a lot of levels with like a group of residents around like J Avenue who started like arsons were breaking out in the neighborhood left and right, like, you know, all this kind of thing. And they started this little historic district and, uh, the Cleveland clinic, uh, God bless them, like huge part of the neighborhood. Right. But like, you know, they'd started Lutheran hospitals expanding and like taking out more streets for parking lots and, uh, where, uh, Riverview tower is right. Mm. Uh, they wanted to because uh, they were going to clear the slums, urban renewal, and they were going to create an alley, one of those like green alleys, uh, that was as long as Riverview is tall, going all the way up J Avenue, right, and white, and that's like the core historic, and that's people were just like, no, and they started the historic district, right, they gave all those protections, and started like fixing up the houses, and that was like the 1960s, man, yeah. right, like, and it was like one house at a time, right, and like in uh, you know, and I started in 2010, and um, we had a 
40% commercial vacancy rate in the area surrounding the West Side Market. Um, you know, and filling storefronts and, you know, uh, fixing up buildings around the commercial. And that's gone through several iterations over the course of time. And, like, you know, first apartment building was built in, like, 2014, right? Yeah. And, um, and, there, and there was one that had been built with a family dollar that was, like, probably early 2000s. Mm -hmm. um, but 14 years in between any sort of building like that. And prior to the 2014... 2001 has been like since the 1960s right so it's like you know it takes a lot of work to get to the point that like that real development starts kicking and um and you couldn't have skipped any of the steps right for right. it to happen um but everyone wants to skip the steps and think that you just snap your fingers and like because yeah, look over there that's what they happens, did i'm like right? you should talk to the people on the yeah. ground over there they yeah. might disagree with you yeah. it's not that simple so what kind of major projects are happening in Ohio City that maybe our listeners might know about that you want to share? Anything in particular that you're like, hey, projects, this is pretty programs, cool. Events, <laughs> all, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, I think I think the one that's been gone, I've been working on it for 10 years. It's been, you know, but, you know, the, the whole Irishtown bend, right? Like uh, keeping hillside that's crumbling and falling into the Cuyahoga River and turning it into a stable and then 23 acre waterfront park is um you know finally starting to to really come to a head and i think uh we're inches away and the the port of cleveland is we always say this is first and foremost a stabilization project right the cuyahoga river represents a 4.7 billion dollar economic impact on our region uh and what's going through there right and so um the coalition that we've built and the port's been leading the stabilization efforts that work should start September, right? That's a 50 plus million dollar. Um, that is gonna be objectively fascinating to watch too, right? They're gonna take uh, about 250,000 cubic tons of dirt. That's enough to build wow. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse uh, off the side of that hill as they kind of sculpt it and then uh, put in the big retaining walls. Again, like that's gonna take almost two years and it, it will be objectively just kind of, I don't think most people can truly fathom what that construction is going to be like right like um i remember one of my travels i went to boston for a while um when the big dig was going on and i remember just being like staying in my hotel room like looking over and being like jesus right like it was like unlike anything i had ever seen like it, you know it's like they just opened up like the entirety of the middle of the city and like <laughs> beehives of activity and i mean this is just going to be a massive undertaking right um but then the ability once that is done and we anticipate beginning irishtown Bend park immediately upon the completion of that right um i think very few people understand the impact of adding a 23 acre waterfront park that has trails that connect you from edgewater beach all the way past the Cuyahoga valley national park right like um, and that is extraordinary stuff, right? And it's also going to have tons of ripple effects on our neighborhood. Uh, you know, we already have one of the hottest real estate markets in town, like, um, you know, and, and we deal with residents that, um, again, lots of different opinions, but Very some colorful. don't like, uh, you know, all the housing units and things that come online and think over, you know, too much building. And I always say, it's like, I like to remind people, I don't like it when I remind them, but it's like... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a neighborhood that has roughly 10,000 people. It had a peak population in 1940 of 28,200. 
So there's uh, some right. room for growth for them, or regrowth. Yes, and, 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 and most of what's been happening has been happening on abandoned surface parking lots, uh, you know, and the ability to build without direct displacement. But we do work on those ripple effects, right? Um, you know, but, but I always say it's like people can't even really get their arms around what is coming and what adding an asset like that to a neighborhood like that is going to do. Uh, I was uh, a handful of years ago, I was in uh, uh, International Economic Development Conference down in Atlanta, and I saw a friend who knew, uh, she's like, you should really meet this guy, Gerald Mitchell. He runs the Atlanta Beltline, right, which is like uh, this super cool trail network that traverses the city and uh, gentrification runs rampant around it and all these sorts of things. And so uh, she finds Gerald and she's like, oh, you should meet Tom and they're doing all these things. And he's like, oh, tell me about it. So I started talking about Irishtown Bend and the trails and all this stuff. And the dude like cut me off. He's like, Tom, you need to stop talking. You need to listen to me. You need to listen to me right now. He goes, you need to build as much housing as you can today. Not tomorrow, today, right? And so, you know, you look at a lot of the growth that we're doing around our corridors, it's all based in that, right? And like um, increasing supply does have a temperate impact on overall household value that is necessary. Um, but we're also doing things around like working with developers who want to do affordability on low-income housing tax credit. We've started a community land trust. Like mm -hmm. it is a very comprehensive way because, you know, again, some people may not like a five-story apartment building opening on a commercial corridor on, you know, a a corridor that is directly connected by a 24-hour bus route into downtown Cleveland on vacant land, but super necessary part of, you know, how we get through this thing thoughtfully without every single house in the neighborhood becoming completely unattainable, uh, you know. So, um, but it, sorry, that was a huge tangent there, but um, no apologies. It, 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 it's, again, I, I try to think through this stuff all the time. Even I have a hard time grasping what it is going to be like to add an asset like that uh, for the city, for the region, um, but the impact on the neighborhood is going to be pretty profound, right? Um, there's even, uh, uh, if you've been to Ohio City, um, how do you think that, and you look at the drawings of this, there's this like flattened out kind of uh, community green space that sits on uh, mid-tier of the park kind of overlooking the Cow River. It's two and a half acres in size, right? It's like, that is the size of Fairview Park in the middle of the neighborhood, which if you stand in the middle of Fairview Park in the neighborhood, you're like, damn, this is a big park. <laughs> and it's like, and if you look at it in the drawing of Irishtown Bend, it looks like a blip in the middle of it, right? So, um, yeah, it, it is going to do wild things in terms of our connectivity to the waterfront. Um, and even as I, I always think about it, like, again, Clevelanders sometimes don't even think of us as a waterfront city, right? Yeah. Like, and and like now that those buildings start to be clear, you stand up there and it gets you like that visceral connection yeah. uh, to the water, right? That like just reminds you like this is who we are. Um, you know, it, again, it, it is such a unique thing. And, um, you know, finally hitting the point where people are going to really see it, right? Um, it's been years of planning and raising money and acquiring properties. It's and those getting little all steps. That. Yeah, it's, you know, and it's like, you know, and I spent every day sitting on that red line staring <laughs> out at that like mm -hmm. weed infested crumbling hillside staring at it thinking like god there's got to be something better we can do with that right um you know and and it took a lot of work to kind of build the coalition and get all the pieces parts together but there's now 20 plus entities all kind of working together there's 
50 plus million dollars set aside for stabilization of the hillside. I think we're at about 17 out of the 45-ish necessary for the park. Um, so if people want to get involved in getting you money, yeah, they're definitely Oh, yes, we, yes, we are. We are very, very happy to talk to any individual or massive corporation that wants to come with a Brinks truck full of money to help uh, uh, make that a reality, right? Um, you know, so yeah, that that is, uh, and and that'll be just to see that actually like really break ground later this year is going to be um, kind of hard to wrap my brain around. I mean, think um, about Mitchell's. You know, multiply yeah. that by a factor of a thousand. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> um, but it's fascinating. You know, it's also again, I, I think there's a lot of perceptions about what people think about what Ohio City is versus what Ohio City actually, actually. is, right? Like. Uh, we have nearly 2,000 units of public housing in Ohio City. It's the second largest concentration in the entire, entire city outside of Central. Um, you know, and we've spent, you know, you've got Lakeview Estates, which is actually the first public housing project uh, in the country. Eleanor Roosevelt cut the ribbon on it. You've got Riverview Tower. Uh, you know, say it's like these people that have spent their entire lives have been able to see but not touch the water. Right. Uh, and, you know, that is changing. And, uh, we've spent a lot of time and attention to ensuring that they have been involved in the planning and creation of what this is going to be so that, you know, there's ownership related to that, um, you know, and, and we're trying to be as thoughtful as we can as we look at housing development, uh, both now and into the future. And I mean, we started this several years ago, right? It's like, this is why we're pushing a lot of that stuff. I, you know, I had somebody screaming at me the other day about, because uh, they don't like a proposed new development going on and like, you know, these densities are ridiculous and there's no demand for this and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting here thinking the whole time, like... You don't know what's coming. People, no, and, it, and, and I get it, right? yeah. because it's like when you do it every single day and it's in front of you, right? But like, we even talk about this internally. How many people out there actually even really know about Irish Town Bend Park, right? Mm -hmm. Like, again, now we think everyone must know about it. this. is the greatest thing that's <laughs> happened to Cleveland in 150 years. And, like, you know, but a lot of people, like, you know, maybe they've heard about it, but is it real? Is right. it really happening? Like, you know, blah, blah. And it's like, um, but it's hard to get your arms around the impact something like that will have and, and how, it, how it, for good and challenges, right, how it's going to impact a neighborhood. Um so, like, for me, when I first moved here, um, when people said Ohio City, I always associated it with the West Side Market. Mm -hmm. Like, that was, like, people yeah. would be like, oh, that's where the West Side Market is. And I was like, yeah. oh, all right. Yeah. But, like, you get in there, and there's, like, so many, like, different small districts within Ohio City that I have loved, like, being able to explore and stuff like that. Well, and, and, it, and, it, and it's fascinating to me, and I've always – I've thought about this a lot too, right? Like, like I said, so one, Ohio City is such, I don't, I'm not even a resident, right? Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I live in Buck, but like, objectively, it is an amazing uh, place, right? Like, um, and the historic houses and walking around, it's, it's literally, it's the last vestige of the Cleveland, uh, like the Connecticut Western Reserve, right? Like, very East Coast, those narrow streets, very few driveways, intact alleyways. Um, dizzying array of streets going on, right? It's like this super cool place. And yet to a lot of the people who don't live in the neighborhood, and let's be honest, most people that aren't in Cleveland, right, have spent very little time in Cleveland neighborhoods. 100%. Right? Agreed. You know, it's like, 
I, I even said, again, grateful my parents for like taking me in for real city experiences because growing up in Bainbridge and going to Chagrin Falls, like most kids, if they had any experience, it was like parachuting in uh, via car to go to a sporting event, park in parking garage, go to game, get back in car, go home, yep. read about how much Cleveland sucks, go off to college and yep. be like, I must go to Chicago, New York or L.A. Yep. or some other place to have a fulfilling life. Right. And, and off they go. Um, you know, so most people have very few experiences. And so Ohio City, fascinating, right? Because it started inside out with a lot of these homes and restoring them and the hard work of people who really care about the community. And yet our commercial corridors were a disaster, right? So if you're going to the West Side Market, which attracts 1.8-ish million people a year. And for our listeners, um, can you explain what the West Side Market is? Oh, yeah. So the West Side Market's last bastion of food, uh, uh, the, <laughs> temple, the temple to food, right, uh, is, a, is a traditional... Uh, food market hall, right, that has uh, north of 100 uh, small business food vendors that are in there um, that you can get everything from old world cuts of meats to fresh produce. Um, it is an amazing, amazing institution uh, that's been around since 1912. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, and as I mentioned, it brings in about 10,000 people every single Saturday, uh, about 1.8 million visitors a year. Uh, incidentally, uh, found, I mentioned earlier, 28,000 people used to live in the neighborhood, 10,000 today. Uh, found an article one day that said Westside Market used to attract about 4 million people a year. See that coalescence between number of people who live in a place? I, I and think uh, I see some uh, Yeah, uh, it, right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, right, so the Westside Market is um, shit. Now, I, 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 I did it again. I talked myself out of a thought. Um, You asked me to talk about the West Side Market, so I said, and I forgot what I was saying prior. Oh, but it's the commercial corridors, right? So, uh, you know, people who are coming in to these venues or St. Ignatius High School, which has right. a regional draw, or Lutheran Hospital, which, in, you know, uh, is a major, um, you know, ankle and spine and psych and all this kind of stuff. So they're coming in for these regional destinations, right? Um, and they see these corridors that are just beat down. And they never, like, really experience, like, what the neighborhood is. But they're just kind of, oh, look yep. at that place, right? And yep. Through the window of their car as they're flying through the neighborhood, which that might be one thing I could say. All the people that are trying to, like, get in, out, and through our city as fast as humanly possible, I would like to help them do that without actually having to drive to our city. That's a, that's a whole different uh, uh, situation. But, you know, I think now that you're starting to see our corridors get develop but like we started like everyone else like really focusing on when i started uh 13 plus years ago we had a whole strategic plan which is about how we leverage the west side market and turn that energy inside out and revitalize just that commercial district around it and we got tons of shit for you only care about the commercial district you know all these sorts of things but it's like it's your front door right and and so but don't you have to start somewhere you do and 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 try to do it in a concentrated area where you can make an impact as opposed to that peanut butter theory but but like so us and everyone else and you, your comment on districts right it's like like you you start with node-based development for a reason right like because it always makes more sense if you can cluster investments in one place and kind of get it together but like you're really not starting to make progress until you can do that like linear connective development that actually pulls people through like that walking experience of like you should be able to take a shit i've been to so many cities where it's like you can walk like 20 30 50 and like not even think about it and blink and it's like just one continuous like good urban experience right and too many places in cleveland it's like 
here's where we go for this. And then like, there's have nothing. Have in the car. Until, yeah. yeah, and there's nothing until you get to the, you know, the next spot or whatever. And so um, I do find it like really exciting that we're starting to see a lot of that connective tissue get mm-hmm. developed. Um, not just in Ohio City, but in other places. As that infill starts to occur, right? It becomes so much easier for it to be like, the whole neighborhood experience, which is, I think, really cool. Some people don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> they can get a golden ticket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's going to be like, <laughs> you get to have a golden ticket Check. in his head. He's just going to be like, I gave them a golden ticket. <laughs> so if Tom gets gives you a golden ticket, yeah. you know you're getting rejected from the Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, that, that is an awesome amount of it's a volume, but it's also a breadth. I didn't really understand how you could get to a spot like this. Makes a little more sense with your back history now. Yeah, yeah. Um, glad we're in very similar spaces. Heidi um, told me through your, uh, what, it was the Community Development Corporation Leadership Program, I yes, think. You're the yes, coach. Yeah, you were yeah, a coach in that yeah. uh, cohort. I did not partake. I was a part of NLDP, but hearing so many amazing things about you professionally when I went through NLDP, I believe you took me through Lottery of Trolley, actually. Oh, you were on I one of those. I believe I was, yeah. Right on. I'm yeah, not, that was Mayor, cool. So I, I remember having that thought of you. So Typically when Mayor White calls and asks something, I say <laughs> yes before he even finishes asking. And yeah. after after uh, going through the cohort, I now can confirm yeah, yeah. that is exactly yeah. how it works. Yeah. Um, really grateful for him giving yeah. us that experience. But no, really happy Heidi thought to ask and for you yeah. to accept. Nice. Coming on SwarpoCoffee.com to talk to you. Yeah. Um, I have no additional questions. I imagine Heidi might go. I do. I have two. Oh. Um, so these are my two questions I ask everyone. So what would you tell your five-year-old self? It will all be okay. Just keep on doing it, right? Well, you know, life is weird. And, uh, you know, everyone goes through different things right and sometimes when you're younger they feel like they're the end of the world and that actually doesn't mean anything right just go through it and uh as you get older life can get harder and um you know but just keep on doing it so what would you tell what are you going to tell your future self fucking relax (laughs) right um yeah i i i i tend to be uh pretty um, that's how I, I get through the day, right? It's like I always I have to do exercise. You know, I don't relax well at all. I'm terrible. My wife yells at me about it all the time. Like I pace. I don't. I can't just like sit and do anything. So yes, I'm telling myself to relax. So I live a little bit longer to enjoy my kids. Good. Well, you definitely relaxed at least long enough to converse with us. So right? Thanks for that. Well, talking is never a problem with me. Um, you know, I don't know if that's relaxing or not, but. Uh, well, I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate you throughout our whole entire relationship. Oh, I thought, you know, I, I'm certain the conversations will continue. Yes. <laughs> the CDC world is an interesting place, right? Yeah. Um, I'm grateful that our paths cross. So yeah, me too. Kudos to Mayor White. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and until future that allows you to, you're always welcome to come to the couch. The polka dot couch. So, <laughs> yeah, until then, thank you. And for any listeners that are curious... We will try to add in the description some links to the Ohio City stuff so you can go learn. If you don't know about the West Side Market and you're local, uh, send me a message so I can ask why that's the case. But beyond that, if 
anybody's interested, uh, Ohio City's got a lot of t- uh, tons of cool stuff going on. And on behalf of my friend Heidi and our guest Tom, this is the end of this episode. So I'm sure we'll be hearing uh, your feedback as you want, as she likes telling us. If you have any comments or questions, please send them. But until then, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks.